You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, before the episode starts, Cindy wants you to know about a new six-week online class that she has going. It starts September 14th and runs through October 19th. It's called Compelled to Change. Registration begins August 1st. Go visit cindy-stewart.com to get registered today. You will receive recorded teachings, weekly worksheets, weekly live coaching, bonus interactions with Q&A, prophetic solutions, and much, much more. Plus, every registration comes with a free download of her book, God's Dream for Your Life. Through this class, she wants to help others clarify their vision and develop a plan to live the life they dream about. For more information on how you can get registered starting August 1st, visit cindy-stewart.com or follow the link in the show notes. Thanks so much. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. morning, we're going to talk about the soaring 20s. That's the word the Lord gave me for uh, this decade. You know, he keeps telling me, stop talking about a year and start looking at 10. And uh, for me personally, that's hard because I'm like, what is... 2029 look like? Who knows? But God wants us to start thinking beyond just the immediate. And today I'm going to talk about the rising remnant. Um, that is one of the words the Lord has given me about there's a rising remnant that's going to be obvious. It's going to be clear who they are, and everybody's invited to be it. And let's talk about, we'll talk about what the remnant is and all this, um, but really a remnant is what is remaining, what is left over. And um, through the scriptures, the Lord talks about the remnant, whether it's the remnant of the enemy that has risen up against his people or the remnant of God's people that are rising up in obedience. And we're going to talk about the remnant of God's people that are rising up in obedience. And I wanted to share a scripture with you, or not a scripture, a word from Smith Wigglesworth. Do you guys know who he is? Well, this is from 1927. And this is, this is clearly where we are in the season that we're in for 2020. That's actually Tarpon Springs, believe it or not. See all the water and everything? So Smith Wigglesworth said, this is a day of purifying. This is the day of holiness. This is a day of separation. This is the day of waking. Oh God, let us wake today. Let the inner spirit wake into consciousness that God is calling us. He continues on to say, there are two world, uh, no, sorry, there are in this world two classes of believers. There are the believers that are disobedient or I ought to say, there are children that are saved by the power of God, but they are not obedient children. And there are children that are just the same, saved by the power of God, who all the time are longing to be more obedient. 
And this is what we're going to talk about today. A nice, positive, encouraging New Year's message. And it will be by the time I get done. But, you know, sometimes we think about um, we can just barely do what we do every day. So the thought of doing something greater is a challenge for us. But God says that that is not the way we are to think. God says the way we are to think is that there is so much possibility every morning when I wake up that I can do abundantly more because the God of the possible dwells in me. That is the way we are to think. And part of our challenge is to getting our mind to think like our spirit knows. Because we know in our spirit, but we also have uh, an intellect that, that keeps us understanding, keeps us fresh and awake. You know, it's funny. God told me, he said, you need to quit thinking linear and chronologically. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you need to start thinking circularly. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. How do I think in a circle? But... When, when I think, I'm actually writing a book, I've told you guys this, but when I think in the linear and the chronological, I'm not able to capture the full spiritual side that God is trying to show me. So uh, it doesn't mean that we don't need to be logical. It doesn't mean we don't need to understand that tomorrow's Monday morning and we've got work, we've got things that we have to do. So there is a chronological side to our life. But what we... What God is challenging us to think is to rise above, to soar. The scripture he gave me is the Isaiah 40, 31. It's to, we are to rise above, we are to soar on eagle's wings. God has given us an invitation to rise up above the chaos around us. So we can have a perspective that is clearly from his viewpoint. We know that, uh, you know, that old saying, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees. You know, when we're caught up in the chaos of what's going on, it's hard for us to get, be objective and have a real perspective because we're caught up in the details. We're caught up in all the miry stuff. But God wants us to rise above. That is one of the words for us. He wants us to soar in this season. So we're going to talk a little bit through Haggai, and that's between the two Z's, between Zephaniah and Zechariah. It's kind of sandwiched toward the end. And part of this is trying to understand how do we identify ourselves? Where do we think we are? You know, this isn't, um, when we talk about remnant and non-remnant, a lot of times, uh there's a there's a sense of division. But really, this isn't about a sense, it's not about division, it's about unity. It's about rising up and being a part of all that God has for us. You know, I was part of a church that um, was part of a domini- denomination that was very divided. Some of them believe, some of the denomination believed that the word of God was inerrant, was, was true, 
Some of them believed that the word of God was contextual and contemporary based on the culture, so things could be deleted and removed from the word of God because it no longer applied to our culture. Part of the denomination did not believe Jesus was the only way. That was the biggest puzzlement for me. I'm like, aren't Christians Christ people? You know, it was, I mean, but but they all were able or chose to be as a denomination together like a social club. Everybody believed what they wanted to believe and it was okay. Well, that is not God's club. It's just not, you know, we cannot go through and uh, be like a CIA document and uh, have half the Bible didactic because we don't like what it says. We just can't. And in order to be part of the remnant, part of those who remain, we have to remain in the word of God. So anyhow, Haggai, let's look at Haggai for a minute. Because we're going to talk about what we're really going to talk about is what are the characteristics of a remnant people? And then we all can ask ourselves, do we carry those characteristics? Is there something that needs to be uh, shifted in me, changed in me? You know, do I even want to be part of a remnant people? We all have choice. You know, God puts the full platter out in front of us. And we all have choice to partake of the whole buffet or just say, I really only like the desserts. You know, the meat that's going to keep me healthy, I'm not that interested in. You know, we all have a choice. And, and, and you know, freedom for that choice. We won't talk about choice right now. Okay, so we're going to start in Haggai 1. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit because what part of the book of Haggai is the comparison between who is the remnant and who is not. That's part of what the book is about. And it's about rebuilding the temple. So uh, verse 10 in Haggai 1.10, he is talking to the people of Israel. And he's saying to them, Therefore, because of you, that is, your sin and your disobedience, the heavens withhold the dew and the earth withholds its produce. He's saying that you are not receiving the blessings of being part of the covenant people because you are in disobedience. You are not listening to what I have told you to do. Therefore, you cannot, your sin has prohibited you from receiving the fullness that I have for you. That is strong. You know, we are hearing prophetic words that there are blessings and financial fullness and all of these things being released. But are we going to be in a position to receive that or is our sin and our disobedience going to cause a withholding from us? Yes, it will. We're going to get to the good part in a minute, okay? We're really, this is, but really, this is a good pop. Whenever God corrects us, it's because He loves us. Whenever He highlights and says, Hey, Cindy, let me highlight this little part in your life, it's because He loves me. And He wants that highlight 
to be transforming to me. He wants me to stop it, is what he's saying. I'm highlighting you because I want you to stop it. And he can say it however he wants to say it, but the bottom line is he wants us to stop it. So praise be to God that he does correct us. Praise be to God that he gives us his word that when we read it, it convicts us in places that we need adjustment to. You know, while Miguel was sharing about the class, he said, you know, it wasn't too hard, but it wasn't easy. And in Deuteronomy, I think it's 30, it says, you know, the word is near you. It is not too hard for you to understand. It is in your heart. So God hasn't given us something that we cannot comprehend. He's given us something that we can more than comprehend. We can actually take in and be transformed by it. So uh, let's go over to verse. So here he's, you know, he's talked about the people who are sinning and disobedient. But then he's calling forth uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua. And he's saying to them, I'm calling you forth, and I'm calling forth the remnant people. And this is in verse, uh, let me go to this. Verse 13, it says, uh, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke to the, uh, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. And he stirs up the spirit of Zerubbabel, of Joshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. And it says it's because, oh, let me go back to verse 12. You guys go back to verse 12 for a minute. It says, then Zerubbabel and Joshua, with all the remnant of the people who had returned from exile, this is the key to the character of remnant people. They listened carefully, and they obeyed the voice of the Lord. That is the characteristic of remnant people. They listen and obey. And they feared the Lord. And it's interesting in uh, everywhere, we're going to read a few more scriptures. I know we're going a little late today, but... um, it's interesting because in all the places where I saw a remnant people rise up, what I saw were they followed leadership and their leadership were dedicated and devoted to whatever the Lord called them to do. It didn't matter what everybody else said, but they were dedicated and devoted. And you know, whenever there is a remnant that arises, that begins to move forward the agenda of God, there's going to be people within the body that will ridicule, that will accuse, that will harass, that will uh, uh, come against what they're doing. The body divides itself because they're not interested in being totally obedient to God. And we all know it is hard work being totally obedient. It it takes sacrifice. It takes us being willing to die to ourselves and to our flesh and to the things we want in order to be totally obedient unto God. And I, I want to go to one other place while we're still while uh, we're still talking about this. I want to go over to Numbers thirteen, and we're going to start in verse twenty three. So this is all about how Moses sent the spies into the Promised Land, 
So Moses is the leader. He is the anointed leader that God has put over Israel. And he has his elders, and he has the tribes, and he has all the people that have surrounded him. And God is saying, it's time to go into the promised land. So we're going to send the spies out to check it out. So they send the spies out, and Joshua and Caleb were a part of the spies that went there. And I love this because, you know, when, when God sends us into a new place, it's scary. But he doesn't send us in alone. He sends us with other people to go with us. So he's, he's sending in the spies, and they, they go, and they've uh, found this uh, uh, cluster of grapes that are huge. They have to carry them on these two poles. And then verse 25, it says, When they returned from spying out the land at the end of the 40 days, they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Um, yeah, they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought back the word to them and all the congregation and showed them the land's fruit. They reported to Moses and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. That is its fruit. Now, the Lord told them that when they went to the promised land, it would flow with milk and honey. So part of being part of the remnant is being able to remember the promise of God. Because when you remember the promise of God, you don't focus on what is not, but you focus on what is promised. And then you're able to recognize those things. You're able to recognize, okay, we've moved in here. They said we went in there and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. So they recognize what God has promised was right in front of them. But what happened after that is they took their eyes off of the promise and started looking at the natural. They said, but the people who live there are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, the great statue, uh, the people of great stature and courage. So they see these giants in the land. And that what happens is they get in this perspective. Okay, God has promised me that I'm going to move into the milk and honey land. I'm in there. I'm spying it out. I see it. It is here. This is it. But on the other side, but there are fortified walls, there are giant people, and I'm afraid. So the promise of God for all but two of those spies was crushed, and they were blinded to it by what they saw in their natural they were unable to grab a hold of the fact that God had taken them through the wilderness, the fact that God was a cloud by day and a fire by night, the fact that God fed them manna, they gave them quail when they complained about not having meat. You know, all of the things that God did for them was right out the window because all they could see was the difficulty, the obstacles, the, the hardness it was going to be to take that land. They forgot that God said, go and I will be with you. 
I will never leave you. I'm going to be there with you. I will take you into the promised land. They forgot all that because they were blinded by the eyes of their flesh about the things that they didn't think in their own physical ability they could overcome. Now, if we had to count on ourselves to fulfill the promise of God, we would never have a promise fulfilled because we would be operating so hard in our own strength and our own flesh that we would never let go of the reins, let go of the control so God could actually do what he was going to do. And Joshua and Caleb are the only ones who were able to rise above what they saw in the natural in order to declare the promised land in front of them. It says then, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb quieted the men before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession of it, for we will certainly conquer it. We will certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go against the people of Canaan, for they are too strong for us. Who do we believe? Do we believe God's report? Or do we believe the report of men? Who do we believe? So they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land throughout which we went, in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Who do we believe? God said that you will take that land, that you will overrun the inhabitants, that you will possess every piece of it. But they could not believe that. So what did they want to do? In 14 verse 1, they all, <laughs> then, the, then all the congregation raised their voices and cried out, and the people wept day and night. And so they've decided they want to get rid of Moses. They want to get rid of all the leadership. Because they're going to try to take us into the promises of God, and we are not ready to go. So we'll just kill them instead. We'll just get rid of them. Let, let, let's stone. It says they want to stone Caleb and Joshua. And I think that's what God wants to get our attention on, is the promises that he's made us will only come if we listen, we obey, and we connect ourselves with people who are going to push us to go forward into the promises. We know we cannot go forward into the promises alone. There is no island believer. It's a family. It's a body. It's a movement. But are we afraid to do what God has called us to do? Is what's in front of us more afraid than the power of the word that God has spoken over us? Do we want to rise up and be a remnant people that will follow God at all costs like Joshua and Caleb? Or are we satisfied in staying on this side of the promised land? And this year, we will see more and more division within the body. And it doesn't mean that we're not all saved. It just means that some will be willing to push hard into the promises of God and 
people will go with them and some will be kicking and screaming saying those people don't hear from God because they don't see the danger ahead. We understand that there is a um, a shaking across the country. We understand that. We understand there's a shaking across the world. But we want to be the remnant people that rise up and are able to discern what's going on and be able to speak. This is God's promise. This is what he's saying. This is the direction we're supposed to go and and move forward. You know, God doesn't need... Five billion people. He just needs those who will say yes and be totally obedient to what he's called us to do. And I believe that that's who we are. I believe that we are a remnant people. You can be a remnant people starting today if you don't think you're a remnant. You can decide today, God, I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey and I'm going to follow you. And I'm not going to let the circumstances in front of me circumvent the promises you have spoken over me. I am not going to let that happen. And I'm going to surround myself with people who will have one hand on my hand pulling me forward and two hands on my back pushing, 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 helping me to step into it. You know, even in, I was thinking about John 6 and how they were all talking, Jesus was all talking about the blood, how you got to eat the blood and drink, eat the flesh and drink the blood and all that. And everybody left because they couldn't understand How many have words that they don't understand? That's one of the things God spoke to me over the holidays. He said, I have told you, but you do not understand. And you will not understand until you step into what I've told you to do. We all have words we do not understand. And if we have to have a full dissertation from God before we do anything... We will never get anywhere. That will be part of the flesh holding us back. Faith is stepping. And Peter says, Jesus says, do you guys want to go too? Your disciples, do y'all want to go too? He said, where would we go? We know too much. We know too much to go back. We can look at those giants in front of us and say, God, your word says. I see the giant in front of me, but your word says And I have to trust your word. I can't afford to trust the giant that's in front of me. And that is a characteristic of a remnant person. They listen, they obey, they take God's promises over their circumstances. That is the remnant people. And that is what God is calling us to right now. He is saying, who wants to join the remnant? Who wants to help each other be part of this remnant because we're the ones that are going to change the government. We're the ones that are going to change our school systems. You know, it's funny because when they, you know, we think that we need everybody to do a certain thing before there's a change, but there's a supernatural miracle working God He just needs a few yeses. And he can shift an election. He can win us a war. He can change our school system. He just needs a few kids back there to say yes. They're they're the change makers in the school system. They're the ones who who won't be able to take a hook, line, and sinker what's being told to them because they're like, no, 
I learned in Sunday school that ain't right. <laughs> you know, that's what that's what he's looking at. He's looking for a few yeses to change the nations. And we are his yes. We are his yes. And just like we sang that song, you know, sometimes we sing what we don't know we're really singing, but God takes us up on what we said out loud. If we said it out loud, he's like, I'm on it. You know, I'm going to do it. We appreciate that you don't understand what you've said, but that's okay. We will, I will work with you. I will work with you. It's true. When you think about it, you declare the scriptures, we have no idea what that really means. Because we're declaring things that we think we're declaring it for one little tiny, minute, specific thing. He's like, oh, no, man, I have covered the earth with that one. You know, oh, you said God just used me. Oh, thank goodness. You're, I'm looking for someone to go to Africa. You know, I mean, we never know the power of what we've said. And we never know the power of the agreement with God's word. And that's what he wants. He wants an agreement with his word. He wants our perspective to shift to his. And every time we see the obstacles in front of us, we trumpet with the promise of God that he's spoken over us. Amen? Amen. So I think that's going to do it today. I want to pray over us because I want us to declare that, that I am the remnant. And you don't have to if you don't want to be. Seriously. You know, everybody has a choice, but... Sometimes we don't realize what God is calling us to do. But in this season of remnant people rising and soaring with him, he's looking for a collective group of people across the world that will all say yes, that will listen, that will obey, and will not allow the flesh of our eyes to change our destiny. Amen? So stand up, if you don't mind. Chuck says, I got to do better. I got to say, please stand up. Please sit down. But I forget sometimes. I get excited about this. So we're going to declare today that I am the remnant. So, Lord, I am the remnant. This is my day of purifying. This is my day of holiness. This is my day of separation. And this is my awakening. God, I commit to your calling. I will listen. I will obey. And I will not let the giants in front of me override the promises you've spoken over me. Because I am the remnant. And we just thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.